Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment, stick around. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yeah, the pun is totally intended. And now, here's your host, the Blind Jesus Freak himself, Mike Calvo. Hello there, welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast. I've said it before and I'll say it again, I am the Blind Jesus Freak. And yes, this is number eight, right? The number of new beginnings, ocho, ocho. And tonight, Jamie is out gallivanting around, showing family all cool things in Missouri and that wonderful new spring weather I hope they're having. So with me tonight, though, Hey, it is the woman of the hour. It is Lisa Salinger. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Welcome. Hello. I'm doing well. Getting over the infamous crud, but still not much sign of spring in sight here in Northeast Pennsylvania. We're slowly getting there. People are still writing things about doing very mean things to the groundhog that forecast an early spring. I think it will take us a long time to get over that one. Hmm. It's bad. Uh, you're just finishing, and it seems to me that I'm getting started. I have a, a home full of sick folks. My wife started, well, actually, my son started, and then my wife got it, and now my daughter's got it, and I am coughing from time to time, and I don't know where this is going. The cool thing is that those of you that are listening on the podcast that is downloaded, you won't hear me cough, really, because, well, there's an editor who's chopping it up and making sure that he gets rid of the cough. But those of you that are here in our chat, as is always on Tuesday nights at uh, 9 p.m. at www.blindjesusfreak.com, you are going to hear the coughing and the hacking in its full, full stereophonic sound. And Be blessed. Yes, yes. (laughs) Thank God that you're over there and I'm over here. Over there, over here. Yeah. So, Lisa, what did you do for the holiday? Well, I went to church very early for the sunrise service, which ended up being the indoor sunrise service, and sang with our choir and uh, had a wonderful service, and then uh, enjoyed some time with friends, and uh, that was about it. Did you eat yummy nice, food? Did. What did, did you have? Including chicken and red potatoes and tossed salad and my downfall, <laughs> green bean casserole. I love oh, that stuff. Oh, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. I like green bean casserole. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. I ended up having Chinese with the family because, like I said, people were sick. And Chinese uh, is good food. That d- works. Yeah, Chinese is good food, but the problem is that... Uh, it's not holiday food. It's not ham and it's not that kind of good yummy stuff. Whenever I th- hear chicken and the holiday resurrection day together, I think of that Cadbury chicken. <laughs> yeah. Ba-ba-ba. Which isn't a chicken. Didn't know it's, that for years. I, you know, I didn't either. I love those little Cadbury eggs, the dark chocolate ones, but I always thought it was a chicken and it's not. It's a bunny. Yeah. What Blew a trick. My tiny mind. Yeah. But anyway. You do that pretty well. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) I am a big chicken. (laughs) I've been called a big chicken. The reason I had to stay, though, is because the family was sick. Our church asked everybody who's a regular to stay 
home on Sunday or to go and help, you know, welcome folks who don't usually go to church and they had a Saturday service. So for the rest of us. So that was kind of uh, intriguing. But, you know, that got me to thinking, Lisa, what does the holiday mean to people? Is it Easter? Is it Resurrection Day? Are you celebrating your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you just going through kind of a, a religious thing that, you know, you just go because, you know, you're a good person. I mean, after all, you go to church a couple times a year. You know, you do what you got to do for God, you know? I mean, I, I show up a couple times, man. I put a dollar in the plate. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not a bad person. I just, you know, I don't got time for that churchy stuff. That's for those people, you know? So I'll go on Christmas. I'll go on Easter. Besides, it makes my grandma happy and mom happy. Or do you really go because you realize that even though the holiday, the celebration, the worship of the goddess Ishtar was Christianized by the Roman Empire way, way back and called Easter, to us, it's an opportunity to share the sacrifice that Jesus made right before the Passover for all of us, for everyone. To me, I was wondering, what was it? What is it becoming over the last few years as I've matured in Christ, as life experiences have gotten more challenging? And unfortunately, as a member of the human race, that tends to be the time when I look up the most is when times get tough. I start to wonder, Lord, what is this? What is this that we call Christmas? What is this that we call Easter? And I don't want anybody listening to this to get me wrong, it's not a matter of condemnation. The Bible says it clearly that for those in Christ, there is no condemnation. And what is condemnation? Well, that's blame, shame, or guilt. So I'm not trying to blame you. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm certainly not trying to guilt you. And I'm certainly not saying that I've got it all together. I certainly fall short of the mark. But I am here to say that we need to examine ourselves The scripture tells us to examine ourselves and to look at where we are and then to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, Lord, where am I? Show me, show me the hardest prayer, but the easiest prayer for me, Lisa, was, Lord, show me me as you see me. And it was a prayer that I was taught early on in my faith walk and one that I probably should practice more but one that has certainly blessed my socks off because when I come to the Lord, I come as I am. And that's the whole idea, folks, is when we look at the way we deal with things, you know, people say, well, I don't know if I want to become a Christian. I mean, I don't know if I want to be going to church or I don't know if I want to just, you know, you you guys go to church all the time, man. What are you guys doing there? You guys go three, four times a week. What are they doing? Are they having a party in there? Whatever. You know, when you're in love, When you love, you always want to be around the person you love. See, and that's the thing about a relationship with Christ. It's not about religiosity. Religion is my way, your way, man's way of saying, well, if I do this and I do this and I do that, well, then God, you have to accept me. And God doesn't accept us because we're good. God accepts us because we're his. And that's so important. And thank God for that, man, because I know that I'm not good. I don't need the Bible to remind me that there's not a good one among us, but it does. (laughs) And I'll tell you, when I look at the goodness of God, 
And as I was enjoying the Bible series, did you get to check that out, Lisa, as they were having on the History Channel? Yeah, some of it, although... A couple times during that, I was fighting said crud, and when I sat down and did nothing but watch TV, I ended up watching the insides of my eyelids pretty quickly, but (laughs) I got parts of it, and I think, I don't know, did you find that your wife described parts of it, or did you find that a lot of description wasn't needed? It wasn't a lot of description needed. It was pretty clear. I mean, obviously... You know, there were fight scenes and things like that, but they did some narration. Yeah. I am certainly hoping that they make it available as a described video. I did uh, go ahead and purchase the DVDs early so that... I found that some of it was hard to follow. I mean, I knew it was going to happen because I know the story. But when there were like crowd scenes, I kind of wished I could have seen details, you know? Yeah, I heard that the cinematography was excellent and they did take some Hollywood liberty in some of the areas and they were very clear about that. Audible, and I'll put it in the show notes, Audible has the actual story of the Bible, the actual novel or collection of stories that this came from. I thought it was fantastic. It got me thinking and I know that it started a lot of other folks thinking. And you know, I'll tell you, there are a lot of folks out there that really want to be good They really do. They want to do the right thing. And being a Christian is not about being good. Anybody within the sound of my voice that has been made to feel bad by a Christian, please allow me to apologize because none of us are good, man. None of us. I want to be good, but I can't. I'm not. There's nothing good in me. That's been the biggest hindrance to me and my ability sometimes to just talk spontaneously with God. I feel like, you know, if you use the analogy of a little kid, I feel like I've got to come to God with, you know, my shiny shoes and the tights must not bunch up around the ankles and everything must be really clean and in tip-top shape. And so many times I've believed the lie, you know, you're not good enough to come to God right now. Well, I'm never good enough to come to God. Amen. You ask the question, do you go to church because you love God? Or do you go to church because it's Easter? You know, this is what I'm supposed to do. It'll make the family happy. But you know what? In between those, there are so many shades. And I have to remind myself of this every Easter. I could feel nothing for God. And I would still go to church on Easter. Because I love the music. Tradition. (laughs) I love to hear it. I love to sing it. I'm a classical music nerd, among other types. And there's tons of that around Easter. And, you know, it's not like I have to think, oh, I'm terrible at this. But, you know, listen to the words. Remember who you're worshiping. And really, that's not a drag. It enhances the experience. If you go to church on Easter because you like to buy new clothes and you like to show up all dressed up, you know, that's okay. My feeling is remember who provided those good gifts. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, as we look at it, I question and I say, okay, and I'm a teacher, Lisa, you know, so I tend to go and I walk in a little bit of a prophetic 
anointing. And prophetic doesn't mean I'm going to tell you your future. It just means that I'm, I'm really kind of here to drop a message from the Lord. You know, it's funny. I'm, I don't know if you uh, have ever uh, watched the Veggie Tales, but uh, they have a guy on Veggie Tales. I have a message from the Lord. <laughs> you know. No. Once I found out that my mom had a thing for Larry the Cucumber, I was a little traumatized by the whole Veggie Tales concept. <laughs> oh, I love the Veggie Tales. <laughs> no, Veggie Tales was kind of mid-generation for me. Like it was after I was past that age, but I don't have kids, although I've heard some VeggieTales stuff, my nieces. So yeah, little side trip there. I love it. But so if I tend to sound a little harsh, folks, it's not that I'm being mean or dogmatic or any of that kind of thing. And certainly not saying that I have arrived because I haven't. But the fact of the matter is that if we continue to water down the standard If we continue to try and make the church look so much like the world, to quote, be fishers of men, if we are truly to be, as Jesus said, fishers of men, I think that we just need to show people the gospel. Talk to them about the gospel. Let the gospel be your bait. Let your life be your bait. You know, we don't need to beat people over the head with the thou shalts and thou shalt nots of the Bible. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And the reason for that is because he wants you to be free, not free to do whatever you want, but free to open yourself up to the possibility of allowing him to drive your life, to live his life in you and through you and to accomplish his purpose. You see, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And that's okay because Jesus said he who gives up his life will surely gain it. And he who decides to keep his life will certainly lose it. And I'm paraphrasing. But the thing is that as we look at this holiday called Easter, first of all, Easter, the origins of the word, as I alluded to earlier, is based in the worship of Ashtaroth or Ishtar, which was the goddess of fertility. You can find Ashtaroth in the Bible all over the Old Testament. And let me tell you, God was none too pleased with worshipers of Ashtaroth. And how did that creep its way into the church? Well, I'll tell you. Back in Roman times, there was an emperor named Constantine, and he got religion. Uh, You see, uh, his mother-in-law, I believe it was, and I I might be wrong here, but I know that it was an older, it was either his grandmother or his mother-in-law, was a believer, and he won some sort of a battle or something like that that led him to say, oh, you know, we need to worship this Christian God and you will all go to church on Sundays, <laughs> you know, and uh, we will build these big cathedrals and all of that. And oh, well, what happens to all of our different holy days? Because Christmas had nothing to do with Christ. In fact, if you read the Gospels and you look at it, Christ was born probably in spring, <laughs> not in December, people. But he said, just bring in your pagan holidays into the church, put Mary, Jesus, and Joseph on them, and uh, you're good to go. And that's where we get words like Easter, which is Ishtar. And Easter, or Ishtar, was depicted, she was a goddess in the form of a bunny who would walk on water holding a basket full of eggs. And all kinds of pagan celebrations of fertility, (laughs) if you can go down that road, this is a rated G uh, family podcast, so we won't go down fertility celebrations, but you guys can kind of 
figure it out. And uh, those types of things took place. So there was nothing Jesus about this Easter holiday. Yet we continue to run around and call it Easter, Easter, Easter. We also have egg hunts at churches. Hello? I understand if we have kids and they want to go look for a little scavenger hunt for Easter eggs, but at the church people? Really? Seriously? I don't know. That just sounds a little too worldly (laughs) to me. Maybe I'm too dogmatic, but it doesn't... I don't agree with you there. Okay. If we're ashamed to have it at the church, then we shouldn't have it. What better place, in my opinion, to have it than at the church? Then don't have it at all. True. You can do that. But you could, for example, have eggs full of jelly beans, and you could then have a lesson. You know, the black ones are sin, the red ones are the blood of Christ. You could have verses in the eggs. I'm not necessarily saying you should have them, right? but I think you certainly could. You know, really, I kind of feel like if you see Jesus in everything— then seeing him in Easter shouldn't be a stretch. If you start looking for Jesus in Easter on Good Friday or Saturday, you're too late. That's true. I had this experience about a week beforehand, and I use the term Easter, although knowing the history of it, it makes me cringe a little. It was tradition. It was what I was raised with. And a lot of people, if you say Resurrection Sunday, they're like, huh? You know, they don't get it. But normally for me, it's all about the peanut butter eggs. But for whatever reason, this year I didn't get any. And I really wanted some jelly beans. And I'm so glad I did because I saw Jesus in a bag of jelly beans. And no, it's not like I saw the face of Mary in a grilled cheese and I put it on eBay got this bag of jelly beans, and they were not just any jelly beans. They were big jelly beans. They were fresh. They were nice. They were they were what jelly beans should be. And I got them, and a sighted friend of mine said, would you like me to sort them for you? And I said, what? And she said, would you like me to sort them? She said, I could put them in little snack-sized bags, and then it wouldn't be like the lottery. You'd know which ones you were getting, and you could have a choice. And no, I didn't use a color identifier to sort the apps or the, the <laughs> no, jelly beans. No, she just wanted to get all the green ones for herself that, that your friend did. No, she just I didn't want to tell you. The, <laughs> there yeah. were no green ones, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, right. But... It's like taking candy from a blind person. Oh, wait. Sorry. Oh, bad. (laughs) Go ahead. There goes my Jesus analogy. Thanks for that one. Go ahead. Um, ahead. I was really moved, though. I was kind of choked up, and I said, you know, that is something Jesus would do because he's in the details. It never occurred to me. And I still don't feel this way, but like, oh, what was me? I can't choose. It's like jelly bean roulette. And I didn't have her do it. There was no need. Part of the fun is the surprise. Right. I did have her get the black ones out, though. It's very easy for me to see that comparison between why black jelly beans could be compared to sin. But I really saw Jesus in that because it was completely unnecessary. But it was like over-the-top love. And I was just so moved by that. And that's the point. 
if we see Jesus in everything, we'll be blessed every day. We don't have to wait till Resurrection Sunday. And I guess that's kind of how I feel about egg hunts. And again, I never even thought about whether they shouldn't be allowed, but I think if they should be allowed other places, then, you know, like if you're comfortable, if you don't have any qualms about taking your children to them, then I think a church could, if done properly, be an ideal place for an egg hunt. I'm the guy who doesn't have a Christmas tree because it has nothing to do with Christmas. I'm the guy who doesn't do egg hunts because, in my opinion, and, and that's all it is. Listen, it's a personal conviction, guys. I mean, it didn't, I didn't just become a Christian and all of a sudden the next day, you know, it's just something that you walk down the road of your faith walk. You ask God about these things and you say, Lord, I've heard this. And what am I supposed to do with this information? Is he being religious, Lord? Is he trying to be a Pharisee and just trying to be ultra religious and ultra good? And I certainly hope not. I just believe very much in that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf. And we compromise enough already when it comes to certain aspects of the church. I read a book and I would invite folks to read it and opine on it. Uh, Write to me at info at blindjesusfreak.com. The name of the book is called Pagan Christianity. And It'll be in the show notes, the Audible book, and even Kindle. It's an amazing book because it shows us just how many, not only pagan things, but traditional, with a capital T, things we have in a church service today. And that's the thing, guys. Jesus is coming. He's coming real soon. And I don't mean that like, oh, shake and quiver, and oh, Jesus is coming, oh, That's a glorious thing. That's awesome. And you know what? If we are the generation, and I really believe that we just might be that generation that sees Jesus come, then shouldn't we really be looking? Shouldn't we try and be in a position of really trying to get out of our relationship with God, whatever it is he wants to give us in that relationship? And if something muddies it, you know, if something, if you've got dirt on your window and you're looking through it, or in our case, if you got something in your ear, and you're trying to listen to a good song, you know, you need to get in there and clean it out, you know, same way as you need to clean your windshield if something's blocking your sight. Well, if you've got compromise in a certain area of your life, or if you see compromise in an area, you know, if Christians were just free to live as Christians and to tell people whenever you get a chance, you know what? Jesus did that for me. I prayed for that. You know, I was feeling sick and I prayed for my kids and they were feeling sick and I prayed for them and we anointed them with oil and they feel real good now. They're starting to feel much better. Well, what's that whole oil thing about? And you get to talk to them about oil and what oil represents and why we lay hands on people. And they go, oh, really? Yeah, we're priests. The Bible says that we're priests. Well, really, the church I go to says that we're not priests. Well, yeah, well, their Bible says that you are. You know, and there are folks that, of course, that go to the church all the time that call themselves priests, and they are indeed priests. But we as believers have the right, we've been given the authority by Jesus to lay hands on the sick and they will be healed and to anoint them with oil. So it's a wonderful thing and it's a wonderful opportunity when you don't just pick a day or two out of the year to express your Christian faith. And those of you that think you're kind of paying your dues, and that's how I grew up. 
I grew up kind of like, well, hey, you know, I went on Christmas, I went on Easter, I made my mom happy, I made uh, God happy. Ironically enough, my mom never went to church. I only thought church was open Christmas and Easter. Unless, of course, my parents were having a fight or something, in which case then they took the whole family in for counseling at the church, which was very interesting, too. So the church was only open when my family was going through all kinds of family drama or on Christmas and Easter. And that was not what it was, you know. But at that point, I felt that, hey, I was paying my dues, man, you know. Now, I go to church anytime I can. I spend time with the Lord in prayer. I read my Bible whenever I can. Not because I've got to make up for what Jesus did for me. The gift of salvation is a gift. If I give you a gift, you can value it or you can just throw it in a closet. It's my gift to you. Whether you value it or not, I gave it to you with love. I gave of myself to get that gift for you. Just like Jesus gave of himself to give us the gift of eternal life. If you want to trash it, dude, you want to just take your eternal life and just move on and say, thank you, Jesus, and make Jesus your savior, but not your Lord. That's cool. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And it's not about a bunch of religion. It's not about, well, if I do this, then God will love me. If I do that, God will love me. God loved you already. The Bible says that when you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He had plans for you. He loved you before the foundation of the earth. Before this whole earth was ever here, he knew that you were going to become a Christian. And you may not even know you're going to become a Christian yet. You may listen to this podcast and go, you know, I never thought about becoming a Christian, but I'll try that for a while. Is it really just about inviting Jesus into my heart and admitting that I'm a sinner? And people say, well, what does that mean? What am I a sinner? Well, when was the last time you told a lie? You know, even a little white one? Oh, sinner, <laughs> guilty. And that's not to say, oh, you terrible person. It's just a matter of we're all sinners, whether we're big sin, little sin. There's no such thing as big sin or little sin. It's just sin, period. And sin is just stuff we do because we were born with it. It's a tendency that we have. And that tendency to be sinners separates us from God. So when you accept Jesus and he forgives your sin, what that means is he basically doesn't hold you accountable for your sin anymore. Okay, because you were sinning before you ever came to Jesus. You were sinning. I used to wake up and look for ways to tick God off. I just If there was a God, I wanted to tick him off something fierce. I mean, I was just out to make him mad. And obviously, that's terrible. And I, sh- I certainly don't feel that way today. But my relationship with Christ has separated me from my sin for eternity and allowed me to spend eternity with him. That happened when I realized that my sin was separating me from Christ. And when I admitted that I was a sinner and that every sinner needs a savior, if I would have done that and gone about my life, period, and that's it, that would be fine. And I would go to heaven. But the reality is that I really got an understanding of that. I said, God, what does that mean? Really, show me. I understand that I did bad things, but what does that really mean? And as God started to show me how my sin separated him from me, what a glorious plan he had for my life in the future. And I started realizing the true love that he has for me. It's infectious, dude. You just can't get away from it. You say, my goodness, God, you love me so much. You gave so much for me. You've done so much for me. 
I can't help but love you. I mean, even though I hated you, even though we were separated, even though I, I didn't feel that you were there, you've demonstrated to me that every moment that I was hurting, you were there just waiting to come into my life, but you couldn't unless I invited you. Or should I say you wouldn't? I mean, God could do whatever he wants. God could have just wiped us all off the face of the earth and started all over again, but he didn't because he wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus was asked, so Jesus, break it down for us, dude. Lay it out for us. What What is the most important? I mean, you got all these rules and regulations, you know, and at that time there was the law. I think it was 631 different laws or something like that. Right, Lisa? Was it 631 or something? I am not sure. Uh, there were an awful lot. <laughs> yeah, there, it was It was a lot, but I think it was like 631 laws. And uh, the funny thing about it is that if you broke one, you broke them all. So this is why these guys were like so into keeping the law. And then, of course, there were the top 10 commandments. But Jesus broke it down real easy. Love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So let's break that down for a minute. Let's flip it around for a second, though. Let's say love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, love your God as you love yourself. I listened to a pastor down in Fort Lauderdale named Bob Coy, and, and I love it because he says, you know, I'm the most important thing to me. Me, 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 me. I am always on my mind. And that is so true. So if we flip that around and we say, well, I'm going to love God as I love myself. Would I visit with myself twice a year and call it done? I don't think so. I'd hang out with myself. Would I, would I throw a dollar at myself every once in a while and if I wanted to give myself food would I go and find the oldest cans I had in my closet you know if I needed to give a computer would I go find the computer I was getting rid of anyway I was just going to throw it in the dumpster anyway would I go and find the jeans with the holes in them and say here you go me wear that I give you that I love you no and again don't get me wrong this is not to guilt or shame anybody But this is the way we treat God sometimes, people. We all do it. I do it. You do it. We all do this. As I was going through, kind of thinking about the podcast tonight, because I didn't really come in here with notes. I came in, you know, to talk about the holiday and relationship versus uh, religion. But I didn't really come in with scriptures and all that stuff. And I started talking about it to folks, and some folks were like, well, this is for new believers, right? It's like, no, it's not for new believers. You may be walking with Jesus for 20, 30 years and never stop to look at how you're walking. Never stop to look at, am I loving as I would love myself? Am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving my brother, sister Christian as I love myself? Am I loving my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind? Or am I going and treating God like a lottery machine or like a genie? You know, and that is really the deal. That is really what we need to ask ourselves. Are we looking for relationship or are we looking for religion? Religion is dead, people. Religion is you or me saying, God, if I do this, if I do that, then you have to accept me. And God says, no, I don't. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, which means he could take the worst loser in everybody else's opinion and one second before they die look at the thief on the cross this guy lived a life of debauchery and right before he died he said 
Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, and this is amazing on Sunday night. I tell you the truth that this very day you will be with me in paradise. Now that doesn't sit right with some people. You know, pick your most worst person you could think of. Hitler, Stalin, you know, Ted Bundy. Uh, I mean, we can go down the list of cruel people that we don't believe deserve salvation. And I'll tell you, and if in their last breath, they got a true conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, save me. You're going to be awfully surprised to see them in heaven when you get there. You know, so it's not about religion, people. It's not about being good. It's about realizing that a God that didn't need to took off his divinity for just a little while, set it aside, came and walked among us, lived among us, faced every challenge that you and I face, faced every temptation, every frustration, every hurt, every habit, every hang-up that we've ever had, Jesus felt them. Lisa just blessed my socks off with her testimony to the minutest of details. If you haven't heard it, you've got to go back and hear it in the archives because it really does go to show you that God thought of it all. And he did that for you, man. He did that for me. And wherever you are today, you know, if you just lost your sight, if you've been blind all your life and you've never felt that you were much, you are much. You are very much. You are so much that Jesus gave his life for you. And if you would have been the only person he had to give his life for, he would have gladly, the Bible says that he rejoiced in the joy of the cross that was set before him. If you were the only person that Christ had to die for, he would have. Man, think about that. If someone did that for me, the least I could do is live my life for him or for them. And I only know one who ever did that. And that's Jesus. And he did that for you. Listener, you, that's all he wants. He just wants you to understand that he loves you. It's not about doing right things. It's not about being good. As my old pastor used to say, Jesus cleans his fish after he catches him. It's a come as you are party. Right now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Save me from my sin. I want to spend eternity with you. Do what you want to do in my life. Live your life in me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you do that, do write to us. If you've done that, write to us. We want to hear your testimony. We want to hear about the glorious things that God's done, God's doing, and God's going to do in your life. That blesses us. This is not a monologue. This is a dialogue where we want you to interact with us. Send us an email to info at blindjesusfreak.com. You can visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com or you can follow us on the infamous Twitter at blindjesusfreak.com. And uh, Lisa, that Bible thing really did bless my socks off. It really, it was so amazingly cool to see the History Channel and how they did this thing. We definitely got to put the link to it in the show notes. That's excellent. I really find that different things when I've watched some of these specials where they talk about Jesus or the Bible, different things move me. I have a 
good friend who every year has written, for many years, has written a slightly different version of the Passion Play. And of course, some of what he does depends on who they're able to cast. And one year they had Jesus sing one song. And I thought, I know it says that he spoke and these things happened, but wouldn't it, it gives me goosebumps to imagine Jesus singing things into creation. And another year, another bit, they had Jesus and the children. And one of the songs that the choir, the crowd sang, started by Jesus playing this hand clapping game with this little girl. And goodness, that had to be about 25 years or 20 years ago that I've seen that. And I haven't forgotten it. Sometimes I'll find that the grandeur of something or the whole big sweeping view of something will get my attention. And then other times it's just the slightest detail that will move me and remind me all over again how great our God is. Yeah, he is. Our God is certainly great. And uh, I just uh, applaud what the History Channel did. It was just so out there. And the fact that, you know, on Sunday, on Resurrection Day, they showed the whole thing over and over. That looped it, you know, all day long. So you could watch it over and over again. So that was really cool. Um, and it was uh, the Bible app. One of the sponsors of this thing was the Bible app for iOS and Android. And it is quite accessible, by the way. So uh, we'll also have the link to that in the show notes for you. So really, check this thing out, the Bible DVD, the Blu-ray, I happen to get the Blu-ray, and do write to the folks who produce this thing, we'll put the links in the show notes for you, to contact them and to ask them, hey, do you mind making a version of this that is accessible to blind people, that we can listen to what's going on, because we hear the cinematography is just fantastic, and you know, blind people need to know just the great, great work that you guys did on this thing but thank you so much for joining us this week lisa thank you for hanging in there with me as i rant my pleasure lots of good stuff to think about i hope so i I hope i didn't uh, annoy anybody i certainly didn't set out to do that i'm a person who tends to sell and sell hard i don't mean to offend anyone so please uh if i've rubbed anybody the wrong way don't write me hate mail write it look at it and trash it, please. But if you must write it, I'll read it. And send any leftover Resurrection Day chocolate to Mike Calvo, Carolisa <laughs> Salinger. <laughs> there you go. I like dark chocolate. There shouldn't be any other kind. Truth be told, I actually had a bunny. A chocolate bunny. And, uh, of course, it makes me think of the song from the Veggie Tales, The Bunny, The Bunny, which was from Rack Shack and Benny. But anyway, and they're just terrible. That that song just sticks in your head. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to check that particular Veggie Tales out. But I did have a dark chocolate bunny, a solid dark chocolate bunny. I didn't care if it was a bunny or not. It was yummy Dove dark chocolate. My second favorite, my first favorite is Godiva, but I wasn't going to pay 30 bucks for a chocolate bunny. Sorry. So I paid four and got a uh, Dove chocolate bunny. which I'm actually still nibbling on, not right now, but day by day. But thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm sorry? It wasn't kind. Forget it. I said that's why he's coughing, because he's nibbling (laughs) on chocolate bunny. Nice. Yeah, there you go. The curse of the bunny has come upon me. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for visiting with us this week on the Blind Jesus Freak podcast. And don't forget, don't forget to check us out. Don't forget to follow us. And please don't forget to tell someone about Jesus. Remember, everybody's a freak about something. So be a freak about Jesus. Thank you for checking out the Blind Jesus Freak podcast with your host, Mike Calvo, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment and you made it this far, we see you stuck around. If you learned something, we invite you to add us to your favorite podcasting software and make us a part of your regular biblical studies. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yes, the pun is totally intended, so stop being politically correct and let's just relate to one another as God's kids. For more information about this ministry, visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com and learn how easy it is for you to connect with us and a bunch of other Jesus Freaks on your favorite social networks. Remember, everybody's a freak about something. Join us and be a freak about Jesus. After all, he's crazy about you.